Hi there, and welcome to the Love Sick Scribe podcast, where we talk about biblical truths, current topics, and where we grow in loving the Word and loving the one who is the Word, Jesus Christ. I am Dawn Hill, and I am the Love Sick Scribe. I think in the midst of all of this, it would be remiss if we didn't also say that we are entering and have entered in the last few minutes mm-hmm. the era of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Oh, God, let it be. Oh, man, I love that. Oh, I love Holy Spirit. We have been Father, Son, and Holy Scriptures for so long. Wow. And not Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I really feel like the Spirit of God is a massive missing portion of the experience of the church. Yeah, yeah. And not only are we going to see righteousness and holiness, Mm -hmm. but you are about to see miracles and signs and wonders that you have only dreamed of. It's by his spirit. By his His spirit. spirit. That short clip you just heard is from Emma Stark, and she was ministering on the Jim Baker show at the beginning of 2022 as they were coming in. We were coming into the new year. She was giving a word telling the people that we have entered the era of the Holy Spirit. Now, as I listened to this message that she gave, it was not lost on me that there seemed to be a misunderstanding of the Holy Spirit and the fact of the matter that We have been in the era already for 2,000 years since the day of Pentecost, actually, when the Holy Spirit came, who was sent by the Father, to the believers to endue them with power to minister and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, to be his witnesses to Jerusalem, Samaria, and to the uh, outermost parts of the world. I began to think about what she was saying and then some of the other things that I've seen circulating around for quite some time about the Holy Spirit. And I thought this would be a good topic today and asking you and I, what is our understanding of the Holy Spirit, who he is, what he does in the life of a believer? I want to talk about him today and some of the ways he is viewed in man's understanding versus God's word and the revealed truth of this word that we that we stand upon. The reason when I talk about the Holy Spirit is because our understanding of the third person of the Trinity is very important. And perhaps you have heard sound teaching on the Spirit of God, and maybe you've heard teaching or seen manifestations that are concerning or questionable. And so I want to address some of those. Obviously, this is not going to be exhaustive by any means. I'm sure there are going to be different manifestations that are attributed to the Holy Spirit, I will not touch on today or other teachings for that matter, but I wanted to highlight some of the ones that are out there and then for us to spend a good deal of our time in the Word of God to see who is the Holy Spirit, what He does, the reverence that He deserves, and how we can understand the working that He does in our lives as believers in Christ, because there seems to be this... A false understanding for one thing as a whole coming out of the movement that I was part of. And I, and I keep saying that, but there's so many that have come out of that movement and, and some of the things that you might have observed. And one of the things I observe is that it, it, there is a talk, a focus on the Holy Spirit, a heavy emphasis on the Holy Spirit and on the emphasis of the manifestation of what is deemed as power, which is miracles, signs, wonders, speaking in tongues, those are um, thought of as being powerful, having might to them. But, but there's far less of a focus on what the Holy Spirit does in the life of sanctifying a believer in Christ, of conforming us to the image of Christ, and viewing that as strength, viewing that as significant. I'm not saying that everybody in the movement does that, but there seems to be this heavy emphasis on the the power being in then physical manifestations of miracles, signs and wonders and supernatural gifts and such, but there's far less of a focus on the fruit of the spirit, on sanctification, on God doing the work in us and, and what's taking place. And there's so much that the Holy Spirit does, so much that he does that we need to be aware of in our lives as believers in Christ so that we can give glory where glory is due, honor where honor is due, and that we can be biblical. We need to think biblically about these things. When when we hear these teachings, when we hear this emphasis on certain manifestations and such, and ironically what happens too on the flip side, maybe you've noticed this as well. 
there is a heavy focus on the manifestations, on the gifts and the power being in, you know, you need to be laying hands on people and you need to see the sick healed and, and, and the dead raised and uh, devils cast out and, and such. But then on the flip side, there's the teaching I've covered before and I'm continuing to cover and evaluate it according to what the Bible says in even a particular book that I'm reviewing on Facebook and on my YouTube channel called Pigs in the Parlor. And I'm going chapter by chapter and looking at it and testing it against scripture to help in looking at this and evaluating it and to see what the Bible has to say and see if the personal experiences can really attest to and hold up to what scripture is saying. But one of the things I noticed in particular, for example, in, in deliverance ministry is that, you know, there's this fo- heavy focus on the Holy Spirit and all this power, but then the, there seems to be not much power for the Holy Spirit in keeping that person free from demons, if, if you will. And so there's, there seems to be a disconnect Maybe I'm overthinking it, but there seems to be a disconnect when people are saying, yes, you have all this power in the Holy Spirit, and then you also have these indwelling demons that need to be cast out. It's just a thought. I thought that believers were endued with power from the Holy Spirit, but I think that there's a, a potentially a misunderstanding that we're missing, a disconnect again, of understanding biblically who the Holy Spirit is and what he does. Now, there are some who have viewed and teach the Holy Spirit as a force or an energy. Some believe or teach or sing that the Holy Spirit needs our permission in order to do things in the earth or that we are to put him to work. For example, in his workbook on the Holy Spirit and the gifts which I have, uh, it was one of the workbooks that was used in our Bible college that I attended years ago, and I put Bible college in air quotes, but in the workbook on the Holy Spirit and gifts, uh, Kenneth Hagin said this, he said, quote, we need to learn how to put the greater one who indwells us and who has infilled us to work for us. Uh, Who knew we needed to put God to work. I, I had that uh, highlighted in that workbook years ago, and apparently it was lost on me when it was in print. But now reading it uh, and and thinking about who the Holy Spirit is and what he does, and granted, there were some, uh, in, in all fairness, when reading that workbook, I was reading back through it, and there were some true statements in that workbook. However, when you look at Hagen's teachings, you begin to see that even though there may be truth in there of what he's saying to a certain point, there are falsities in there that are being stated and some things you may not be aware of that are no longer stated anymore, but another topic, another time. So yes, he said that we need to learn how to put the greater one who indwells us and who has infilled us to work for us. I can recall as a worship leader singing a song titled, When You Walk Into the Room. It has a really pretty sound to it. Uh, it's, it's a catchy little song, but the bridge, if you're not paying attention, the bridge of that song begins, come and consume God. All we are, we give you permission. Our hearts are yours. We want you. Now I understand this may not be what is intended, but we do not give God permission. So the words we say do matter even though culture means it in a different way, biblically speaking, the words we say as believers in Christ do matter. And whether we realize it or not, they could be revealing bad theology we hold as truth. When thinking about the Holy Spirit and talking about him, here are just um, a a few of the things that, that you may see or hear. Some may believe he needs to be activated. I'm going to ask you the same five questions you can ask. Okay. Holy Spirit, activate. Oh, no. Holy Spirit, activate. Holy Spirit, activate. 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 All right, let's go. I'm ready. James, did you ever see one of his shows like that? Not like that, but I'm going to get that, and I'm going to play it over and over and over. I'm going to tell you something. I've started proclaiming that. Mm. In fact, we just had an opening prayer, and that was how I started the prayer. That's Holy right. Spirit, activate. Now, coming out that rock way is even better. Some tell stories of carrying on conversations with the Holy Spirit in a nonchalant and in re- irreverent way. Some say things about the Holy Spirit in an irreverent way. And I, this will kind of probably offend you, but oh, well... 
And the Holy Spirit to me is like the genie from Aladdin. I view the Holy Spirit like the genie from Aladdin. And he's blue, unplanned, perfect. And he's funny, and he's sneaky, and he's courageous, and he's everywhere, and he's wonderful. That's who he is to me. And he's funny, and he's sneaky, he's silly, he's wonderful. And I view him like the genie from Aladdin. I don't know where in my life that just kind of like came up. Maybe when I was like 10, I don't know, but because he's there, you know, and he's, he's the helper and he's just always supportive and comforting and he's just fun and he's blue. In case you're wondering, that was a compilation of Jen Johnson from Bethel who had said this on more than one occasion about the Holy Spirit being like the genie from Aladdin. There are some that attribute behaviors to the Holy Spirit, such as these. <laughs> oh, Holy Spirit. <laughs> God, just flood this place. <laughs> oh, Lord, fill every person in this place and watching online, Lord. Give them a good shellacking, whacking of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Fill every one of us up, God, full of your glory, full of your presence, God, full of faith, Jesus. Oi, oi, oi. I think I'm going to wreck because, you know, they, they say when you, you put two two users together, we're going to see when Winnie gets up here, and then you expect me to get up and say coherent words later, afterwards. <laughs> Oh, Jesus. Oh, dear Jesus. Oh, Lord. Yes, Lord. I've learned a, a quick prayer. I'll teach it to all you really quickly. Okie dokie, Lord. Okie dokie. Lord, I love your heavy, drunken glory. Uh, Lord, I love it. Lord, thank you, Father, for more of a heavy, weighty, drunken glory in this house today. Shabba, shabba. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. In case you're wondering what's happening, this last clip is Heidi Baker, and she's in a service where she's standing on a platform with a microphone, and she is believing to be drunk in the spirit, and she can barely stand up and to collect herself to minister. So I know you can't see the clip, but just wanted to let you know in case you've never seen it before. that was at the Toronto blessing that she was where she was doing that and talking about it that 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 the Holy Spirit just shows up like that the other two clips that I played uh, the first one was Miranda Nelson who was ministering during a um, an, um, acclaimed revival that they said that was going on and so she was ministering and attributing her drunkenness to the Holy Spirit and then there was John Crowder who some may be uh, familiar with him has talked about the ecstasy of God toking um, on the Holy Ghost, um, acting like that they're smoking and doing drugs and, and things. So pretending to do those or emulating those actions and saying that they're getting dr in the drunken glory. Now, those may seem like some really extreme examples, but still the fact of the matter is if you're not, if even if those were extreme examples, and there's plenty of these that are all over the internet that, that I'm sure that you can find, 
And some of these are, are older clips, but still this stuff does go on even today with some of these teachings and some of these perpetuation, uh, the perpetuation of these manifestations. Even if this was extreme or on the fringe, the, f- the, the fact that this is going on and being attributed to the Holy Spirit is very concerning. Uh, and it, it's troubling at times to hear these things. And, and just as it is important to recognize the error and the concerns, it, it is even more important to know the truth of the word authored by the Holy Spirit as he carried along men to write the scriptures. Now, um, I read recently, I saw a post from Costi Hinn that I, I agreed with what he said, and I want to share this with you. He talked about how the Holy Spirit gets the worst press of the Godhead, and he said he does not need to be activated. He does not need to be invited. He needs to be honored, and I could not agree more with that statement because of some of the things that I participated in, for one thing, it's not just seeing other people and, and looking at them and going, look how much they're blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Look how much they're uh, being irreverent towards the Holy Spirit. Look how much they're saying this is the Holy Spirit when this completely goes against what Scripture says as the nature and character of God and that he would not do this to his children, for example, with drunkenness. I've talked about that before, I believe, but the drunkenness in the spirit of doing something that scripture actually tells over and over again, tells believers, be sober, be vigilant, pay attention, uh, the fruit of the spirit, you know, talking about self-control, being acting drunk in the spirit is not self-control. And when God talks about drunkenness in the, in the word, it's not looked upon in a positive light or in something that we should be emulating, that we should be mimicking in any way. And why would the Holy Spirit do something like that when God said those that are naturally drunk, physically drunk, in Galatians 5, for example, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, that's just an example. That's just one that I'm using out of many different things that are claimed to be manifestations of the Holy Spirit. But these are things to think about. And then when people say, you know, we need to activate the gifts of the Spirit in our lives, or we need to activate the Holy Spirit, or Holy Spirit, we invite you in. And again, I'm that I came out of this stuff to where I said certain things like that. I never said to activate the Holy Spirit, but I did say, Holy Spirit, you know, we give you permission singing that, that we that we invite you here. And we're not fully understanding what we're saying, I believe. I think that we're we're saying things in a sincere way, but again, sincerely wrong in some of the things that we're saying and having a misunderstanding of the Godhead, maybe misunderstanding of what it means to be omnipresent or the difference in the uh, manifest presence of God and, um, and understanding his indwelling in us and understanding the gifts of the spirit, understanding sanctification. There's a lot of things that that we all can grow in. I'm continuing to grow all the time in in the word of God and understanding it more and more and asking the Holy Spirit to help me in my understanding as I read the word of God because the ultimate desire of as as believers in Christ is that we want to honor God in all that we do. We want to testify of him. We want to glorify him. And I guess the question that we could ask is listening to just these little, these few clips that you've heard of the, by the way, the Holy Spirit activate that was actually said on a game show on Family Feud by um, China Phillips from Wilson Phillips. And that has really picked up speed with a lot of people over the, it was said last year, but even this year I heard uh, different people that they've used it on their TikTok videos or, um, to overlay it and do something funny with it or people making t-shirts out of it. I know that they're not only there's people in ministry that have made t-shirts out of it, but it's all over Etsy. People have made tumblers all over Etsy with, with Holy Spirit activate on it, or people will probably make stickers and all kinds of stuff that say Holy Spirit activate. And they'll think it's funny. And I hate to be a stick in the mud here, but I'm going to be, is that reverent? Is that honestly reverent to say something like that? When you say Holy Spirit activate, is that reverent? It's not. And, and, and it does bother, personally as a believer, it bothers me. And it, it does bother me to hear other believers, professing believers that are saying that. They're, they're saying Holy Spirit activate, but yet we're saying, oh, we need to, you know, be consecrated and be holy, but 
disrespecting the Holy Spirit by saying something like that. And we think it's just, oh, it's just a cute statement. But really, I mean, that the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, first and foremost. And he deserves respect. He deserves to be um, honored in such a way that we're, we're not saying things that are going to bring reproach on the name of the Lord and that we're going to be dishonoring the Holy Spirit, dishonoring God, being irreverent, that we are to recognize who he is and give honor where honor is due. So what does the Holy Spirit do? Does he do the things that we just heard? I would argue and say no, that he actually does not do those things, but that there's things um, that he, he does in our lives that are um, far more substantial and greater than any any manifestation that could be attributed to him like these things. John chapter 3, verses 6 and 7, uh, help us to understand that the Holy Spirit regenerates us as believers in Christ. John chapter 3, verse 6 and 7 says, and this is Jesus talking, he says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. So the Holy Spirit regenerates us. He is our helper. John 14, 26 tells us that as well. John 14, 26 says, uh, Jesus again is speaking to his disciples and he says, but the Holy Spirit, the helper whom the father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So we can be comforted in the fact that the Holy Spirit is the helper and we have not been left alone. We have not been uh, forsaken. He, he did not leave us or forsake us. The Father sent the Holy Spirit when Jesus ascended and went back to the right hand of the Father. He sent the Holy Spirit to now indwell believers. And as I said, uh, when we look up the, when we go back to what Emma Stark said, the definition of an era, by the way, is a long and distinct period of history with a particular feature or characteristic. It can also be a system of chronology dating from a particular noteworthy event. Well, I would say that the era, if, if you want to call it that, the era of the Holy Spirit started the day of Pentecost uh, a couple of thousand years ago where the believers were joined up in the upper room and the Holy Spirit came. The manifestation was that they... Uh, spoken tongues that were known languages, unknown to them, but known to those in the earth. It was a miraculous event that took place. It testified of the mighty works of God. The gospel was preached. 3,000 souls came to uh, believe in Christ on that day, and the church began to grow. And, and then we see the inception of the early church is what took place. So I would argue that the, quote, era of the Holy Spirit began there to to say that the era of the Holy Spirit is just now beginning is and that the church really hasn't embraced the power of the Holy Spirit, that that's it seems rather insulting to God um, to say that it's almost as if his plans are on pause. And because now, you know, just one person like Emma or whoever else would say such a thing would say, oh, you know, that this we're now entering the era of the Holy Spirit. Where has the Holy Spirit been for the past couple of thousand years? And I did a podcast last week. It was funny because I heard her say that after I did this podcast of, you know, for so long that we've been the Father, Son, and the Holy Scriptures. Again, there's it, that's that negative connotation. And I'm, I'm going to appeal again. If we have a problem with the Bible and we're always seeking after... Uh, I, I'm going to uh, make this appeal again about saying something like that and really denigrating essentially what the Word of God says, even though they'll try to use the Word of God to back up what they're saying and quote it, but still say, for so long it's been the Father, Son, and Holy Scriptures. That's not what people believe that hold to the fact that this is the Word of God. This The Bible is the Word of God. As believers in Christ, it should not be a problem when we go back to the foundation of the word, which is God speaking, by the way. I'm baffled, honestly, that there are people that are fighting against, that are calling themselves believers in Christ, and they're fighting against hearing the Bible in context, which truly glorifies God. If we're really going to glorify God, then we've got to make sure that we get Scripture correct in its understanding. If we don't, then we're going to be testifying of someone else, potentially, and we're going to not be glorifying God in the way that we should if we're not willing to go back to the context of Scripture 
And if we're always seeking this extra biblical word from God, I'm not quite sure why the Bible isn't sufficient, because that is God speaking, by the way. He has spoken through his word, and it is it should be it should be sufficient for us. So I don't mean I don't mean to get on that soapbox about that. It just when I hear these certain things and then you start critically you start thinking through them. You start logically thinking through them and applying the Bible, you begin to see the cracks in in the beliefs and and what's being taught. So we've been in the era, the quote era of the Holy Spirit for a long time. Um, I would say that we need to get back to what the Word of God says about the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and make sure that we are believing sound theology first and foremost. Another thing that the Holy Spirit does is that He convicts. Uh, John chapter 16, verse 8 says, And when He comes, He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Verse 9, concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Verse 10, concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Verse 11, concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Uh, It goes on in verse, uh, I'll continue reading on a couple more verses to see. Verse 12, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So the Holy Spirit is working. As we can see, he's convicting. He's going to, he convicts the world. Now that he's come, he convicts the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. We also see as, as Jesus goes on to explain to his disciples, when the spirit of truth comes, which we know he has, he guides, he guides believers into all truth. That's what he does in John chapter 16, verse 13. He doesn't speak on his own authority. He, he, whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. Uh, he's talking to his disciples there. He will glorify me. So the, the Holy Spirit testifies of Christ. First and foremost, that we should remember that as believers, he testifies of Christ. He does not testify of himself. So though the Holy Spirit is to be reverenced, at the same time, you'll notice in some of these movements, there is a heavy emphasis holy and, and praying to the Holy Spirit. And this may not be a big deal. Um, however, you do see a lot of prayer that begins, Holy Spirit, we just want to welcome you here and we just want to invite you. I don't know of any place in scripture where, where we are told to pray to the Holy Spirit. We pray by the power of the Holy Spirit. We pray to the Father. We are to to pray to the Father. And sometimes people will pray pray to Jesus, but the prayers that we see are addressed to our Heavenly Father. So some people may may think that that's splitting hairs, but take notice of that. It's always a Holy Spirit. We, We invite you to come here, operate in power, rain down in this place, bring your fire, you know, saying different things that could be labeled as buzzwords. But do we see a practice in Scripture of praying to the Holy Spirit, or are we able to pray to God by the power of the Holy Spirit? You see what I'm saying, be endued with power. And then even again, I, I think that there is a misunderstanding of being endued with power. Some people think that power is you have to um, to manifest something physically or in the sense of showing that you're drunk in the spirit or holy laughter or laying hands on people and uh, seeing the sick recover. And um, I'm not diminishing the power of prayer and I'm not diminishing that we shouldn't be praying for people, that we shouldn't be asking God to heal people, that we shouldn't be, that we shouldn't be praying and, and doing the things that scripture tells us to do. What I do say is, is I think that there has been, there's been a heavy emphasis on things that are not found in scripture or a, a misconstruing of the things that are found in scripture. And we're not understanding what true power looks like because we want it to, we think it, it should look a certain way and that it should be loud and uh, boisterous and exuberant. And if it's not, then that's not powerful when the power is actually in the gospel. <laughs> the power is the gospel. That's the power of God. Uh, then another aspect of the Holy Spirit of what he does, he empowers believers with gifts. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I would encourage you to read these chapters in uh, in their fullness so that way you can get the, the context of them. But 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 
verses 4 through 7 say, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And as we go on down to verse 11, as Paul is explaining the gifts to the Corinthian church, he says, all these empowered by one, all these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he will. So we can see here that the Holy Spirit is the one that gives gifts as he wills. We cannot activate them. We cannot, uh, we cannot have someone lay hands on us to impart gifts. That's We see that the Holy Spirit is the one that gives spiritual gifts. The next thing I wanted to talk about as far as the Holy Spirit and what he does, he testifies in our hearts that we are children of God. Galatians chapter 4, verse 6. Galatians chapter 4, verse 6 says, And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. We also know that when we go into the book of Romans, chapter 8, we see that Paul has been in chapter 7 talking about dealing with sin in our lives and how we have the power over the law and the sin because of Christ. And as we continue to read on in chapter 8, he tells them that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin he condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walked not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law, indeed it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, verse 9, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you, Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Verse 12, So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit... You put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may be also glorified with him. So we see here, even in Romans, that the Holy Spirit also empowers us as believers to kill sin. We know that, as we've talked about before in John, that that uh, the Holy Spirit leads us, but we can also see that in Galatians chapter 5, verses 18 and 25. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Verse 25 says, If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. And it goes on in verse 26 to say that. So we know that the Holy Spirit leads us. We know that the Holy Spirit makes us fruitful. Galatians 5, verse 22 through 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. He grants, the Holy Spirit grants and nurtures in us the resurrection of life. And we've, we've read in Romans chapter 8, verse 11. That this the testifies that we have life by the Spirit of Christ. The Holy Spirit intercedes for us when we don't know how to pray. And we see this in Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. We also know that by the word of God in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, 
are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Uh, we also know that the Holy Spirit, according to Ephesians 1.13 and 4.30, we are sealed by the promise of the Holy Spirit, so we are guarded and guaranteed salvation because He indwells us. We see that, again, Ephesians 1.13 and Ephesians 4.30. Uh, Ephesians 4.30 says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. We know that he, he assists us in prayer as what we've read. Uh, we can also see that in Jude chapter 1 verse 20. Other places I can take you to through scripture that will relate to some of the things we've talked about. About as far as regeneration, we see in Titus chapter 3 verse 5, the word says, He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. So there are a lot of places that I could uh, that we could go through in order to look at what the Holy Spirit does in us. We know that the Holy Spirit we are filled with the Spirit. Ephesians five eighteen tells us, and it in in that context it talks about a spiritual maturity. This is a continual process that's ongoing in the life of a believer, which this would have to do with sanctification in the life of a believer. Uh, we we talked about Galatians five, where um, the the Spirit sets himself against the desires of the flesh and he he leads us into righteousness so we see that and that the fruit of the spirit is more evident in the life of a believer it was interesting this past sunday i was lit, our pastor was talking about the power of god and focusing on the gospel and one of the things he talked about was in galatians 5 about the fruit of the spirit and saying you know if you want to see a manifestation of the holy spirit then live out the fruit of the spirit now i thought that was such an important point to make is that, uh, you know, you can go on Amazon, for example, and you type in, I've heard people talk about this, so this is not my own thought, but you can go on Amazon and I encourage you, if you ever have, want to have an inkling of some of the things that are popular, just go to Amazon and do an advanced search in the book section, type in a specific word or a keyword or something, and you can see, get a general idea of how popular that topic is. You go and you type in uh, gifts of the spirit, okay, or spiritual gifts, and you're going to probably get thousands of hits, hundreds or thousands of hits on spiritual gifts. But if you're typing fruit of the spirit, it's far less because the fruit of the spirit is not as emphasized. And why not? I mean, if we're going to talk about spiritual gifts and talk about manifesting power, why are we not talking to believers about manifesting power of being self-controlled, of being gentle, kind, patient, or long-suffering, some translations say, of being um, of love, of peace, of joy, goodness, kindness, faithfulness. My goodness, why why are we not telling people that this is where the power is in the gospel and that furthermore, the power for you as a believer in Christ is, is manifesting the fruit of the Spirit to testify of Christ, by the way. That's powerful in of itself. And so we can see that, that this, this is, uh, the fruit of the spirit is very important. It's crucial in the life of a believer. And we can also be encouraged in the fact that the Holy Spirit, um, he gives us wisdom by which we can understand God. Uh, first Corinthians chapter two, verse 10 through 11 says the spirit searches everything, even the depths of God for who knows a person's thoughts, except the spirit of that person, which is in him. So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Since we have been given the amazing gift of God's Spirit inside our, ourselves, we can comprehend the thoughts of God. And this is revealed in Scripture. So when we read Scripture, I would even encourage you as a believer in Christ, you know, before you even open the Bible, ask God in prayer and that he would give you understanding that this, that the scriptures would be illuminated to you, not to have extra biblical, not to have some sort of word that's outside the confines of the understanding of that text. That's not what I'm saying. But when you go to read the word of God, if you have a hard time understanding it, or you want to understand it more, then ask God in James, it tells us to seek wisdom in things. It's okay to go to God in prayer and ask him when you're wanting, when you're wanting to understand the word of God better, God, help me by your spirit to understand your word, illuminate it to me in my, illuminate my understanding. So that way I know what, what the word is saying and I know how to apply it in my life so I can glorify you. 
in all that I do as your child, as a believer in Christ, as a co-heir with Christ. I want to glorify you in all that I do. And I want to obey your word. I want to abide in your word. I want to follow you in all your ways and testify of you. So help me by your spirit to and lead me into all truth as what your word says. And it's really good too to to consider even incorporating scripture into your prayer that coincides with what you're what you're asking God, what you're asking for in prayer. That you want to understand the word, you want to have you want it to be illuminated to you in such a way that you know how to walk in the ways that God has established in his word. Uh, that you can comprehend uh those thoughts that that are revealed in scripture and this and his holy and the holy spirit is faithful he will help us to understand because he helped to author this i want you to read to you and i've i've referenced this scripture many times before but i want to reference it again when peter is talking in second peter he's talking about the glory of christ that he witnessed and uh, talking about the prophetic word which is scripture by the way in verse 16 i'm going to read uh, verses 16 through 21 Peter says, For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. And we have something more sure. Listen to this. I mean, this was something when I read this passage of scripture, this talk about something being illuminated to you and, and coming out of thinking that you were a prophet. Um, verse 19, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19. And we have something more sure, the prophetic word to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So we know that even in 2 Timothy 3.16, that the, the Scripture is God-breathed. The Holy Spirit carried these men along to write Scripture, which is God-speaking, by the way. This should not be diminished in any way, shape, or fashion. As I said last week, the whole phrase of, you know, uh, Father, Son, Holy Scriptures. What's the problem? <laughs> what is the problem with, with referring to Scripture in context? That should not be a problem. All Scripture, Second Timothy 3.16, all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. We can see from Scripture uh, that, that the Holy Spirit inspired the Scripture. He wrote the Scriptures. He authored the Scriptures. He carried men along to write the Scriptures, to write down what God wanted to say because He is the third person of the Trinity. He is God. The Father is God. The Son is God. The Holy Spirit is God. They are co-eternal and co-equal and God in essence, but they are three distinct persons in the Godhead. So this is... Um, and we are just, and again, I said, you know, we are seek wisdom from God rather than wisdom from man. And the, the clips that I played for you, and again, they're not exhaustive. I'm sure there are other clips I could find, but these are some that were well known or that were highlighting some of the things that are attributed to the Holy Spirit. I would encourage you to evaluate when someone is tr attributing something to the Holy Spirit and to always go back to Scripture and say, well, does Scripture, t does this testify of the Holy Spirit? Can I find this in Scripture in context? <laughs> because you can take any Scripture out of context and try to make it say something it doesn't. I I've heard people even using in Corinthians, uh, for example, what is it? First Corinthians two, I think I've heard people actually trying to appropriate or misappropriate. I should say they're, they're misappropriating when you look at, and I'm a lay person. I'm not, you know, I'm, I, I'm a person that's a, a, a lay person in, in the body of Christ that's looking at this and going, 
yeah, in context, that's not actually what that means. But I, I've heard people take First Corinthians two out of context and talking about the the wisdom of God and you know the the deep things of God and that the the people that understand the secret hidden things of God and the mature things are the ones that are childlike or that they're innocent in their understanding and they're the only ones that can grasp it because the religious people this uh, the things of God are like folly to them and they don't get that well that's not what that that's not even what that's talking about in the context of the passage. And so anybody can take a verse out of context, anyone. And I used to do this in the prophetic movement and didn't even realize I was doing that. Again, I thought I was hearing the voice of God and I thought I was appropriating what, what it meant in a prophetic type way when it was already being prophetic. It was testifying, the scripture testifies of Christ. It was already prophetic. It didn't need my assistance. It didn't need my help. And and yeah, I know that some people will disagree and they'll say, but you know, I do hear the Holy Spirit and he's telling me about this certain passage. Well, if you're getting something else from them, what it's actually saying in scripture, then we need to be testing what you're saying because the Holy Spirit is not uh, God is not the author of confusion and the Holy Spirit is not schizophrenic. He's not going to say something that's going to contradict his word. And, you know, the argument could even be made. Why do we need dreams and, and those things today and, and attributing those things, to the Holy Spirit of this extra biblical revelation and saying, well, just test it against scripture. Well, if scripture already says it. Then why do we need you to, to t- say something that scripture already says? So there's different arguments that could be made on this, and these are all things to think about, and we should be going back to the Bible, and we should also be understanding who the Holy Spirit is. So saying all that, just to point you again back to Scripture, to point myself back to Scripture, and we need to rest on the wisdom of God rather than on the wisdom of man. The things I shared with you today, they seem to be gleaning from more of man's understanding or what man deems as this is the Holy Spirit. And when it contradicts what scripture says and testifies of God and who the Holy Spirit is and how he conducts himself, then we really need to be bringing to the forefront. No, this is actually what the Bible says about this. And we love people enough to, we love people enough to bring this guidance back to the word of God, to where we say, this is, this is who the Holy Spirit is. And this is, these are the things that he does in the life of a believer. And you know what? Do you know what? That is powerful. It is powerful when we see what the Holy Spirit is doing in us, that he is indwelling us from the moment of salvation. He is indwelling us and that we are continually in the process of sanctification while we're in this world of being filled with the Spirit. We need to remain in the Word of God, reading the Word of God daily, meditating on it, chewing on it, pondering on it. Asking God to write it on our hearts that we can obey him and follow him in his ways and glorify him, not out of obligation, because we love God so much that we want to be led by his spirit. And being led by his spirit means that we know what the Bible says. We can't be led by the spirit and if we don't know what scripture says in, in truth. We can't worship God in spirit and truth if we don't know what the truth is. And so this is why it's so important to go back to scripture and to make sure that we are testing things when someone attributes something to the Holy Spirit to say, I, that's, that's not what scripture actually says. Let me, let me show you what scripture says about the Holy Spirit and asking God to help us first and foremost to, to take the, the log out of our own eye so that way we can take the speck out of our neighbor's eye. We, we have to be willing to do that, to look at our own lives first and foremost, and to say, do I have a proper understanding of, of, of the word of God? Do I have a proper understanding theologically of who God is to make sure that that is solid and based on the foundation of the word? And then from there to be able to, to help others and to, to be able to testify of the truth. And then when we're in these conversations with people or um, we, we have concerns that we can share with others and we can say, well, let's go back to what the word says. We don't appeal to our opinion. We don't appeal to what we feel or what we think, but we are appealing to scripture. Th- this is so important that we do this. And so I wanted to have this, uh, this, um, 
I wanted to cover this this today about the Holy Spirit to um, help veer us back to the Word of God as far as the Holy Spirit. And just because someone attributes a manifestation to the Holy Spirit does not mean that it is the Holy Spirit. We must be willing to to we must be willing to look at the Bible and to see is this really the Holy Spirit? Does this negate or does this con- does this contradict what the Bible testifies of the Holy Spirit? And how can we minister to people effectively in order to help them to understand that the truth from error? And then from there, uh, you know, whether people are um, are open to listening or they're not li- open to listening or to to going back to the truth, then we we pray for those people and we ask God, God, um, uh, please help your word to be illuminated to them. Help me to to um, minister with your love and by your spirit to to guide others into the truth of your word by your spirit. It does exactly what it's supposed to do and that we continue to minister to people in sharing the truth. So I hope that, as again, I hope that this has been helpful in in looking at some of the ways that the Holy Spirit helps us as Christians, as believers in Christ, and that is powerful. It may not be what the world deems flashy or what some in the, the, these movements deem flashy or exuberant in, in, our, in man's understanding. It is powerful when we understand the the change, the transformation that God brings in us and that the Holy Spirit is indwelling us as temples of God, by the way. We are the temple for God in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, that our body is the temple for the Holy Spirit, that He indwells us right now and that we have the privilege to have the Holy Spirit indwell us and to lead us and guide us into all truth and to conform us to the image of Christ and to manifest, if you will, manifest the fruit of the Spirit in our lives and to walk out this this process of sanctification that can only be done by by uh, saving faith in Jesus Christ, then it's a glorious thing. And we need to rejoice in that, that we are walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. And it is not by man's understanding, but it is by God's understanding and his truth. Be blessed today by this word. Thank you for joining me on this podcast. If you would like to connect with me, you can find me on Facebook and on Instagram at lovesickscribe. And if you enjoy reading, feel free to hop on over to lovesickscribe.com and subscribe to my blog. I've enjoyed being with you today, and I look forward to our next time together as we talk about biblical truths, current topics, and we continue to grow together in loving the Word and loving the one who is the Word, Jesus Christ. Blessings to you.